0: Hello and welcome to Connect, Collaborate, Champion, the podcast of the New American Colleges and Universities. I'm your host, Sean Creighton. In my current role as NACU president, I have the honor of working with an amazing group of independent colleges and universities. I'm a huge admirer of their approach to teaching and learning. They provide an integrated liberal, professional, and civic education. As a result, The NACU campuses graduate extraordinary professionals for a global workforce and society. Also, their campuses are beautiful. About our podcast, we will focus on topics related to higher education. We will bring in guests that wrestle with current and future challenges. They'll include college presidents, provosts, professors, researchers, authors, disruptors, reporters, strategists, and maybe even a futurist or two. They'll help us expand our window into the world of higher ed. Thank you for being here, and without further ado, let's get started. On today's episode, we will speak with Harry Boyd, who's the senior scholar in public work philosophy and co founder of the Institute for Public Life and Public Work at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That doesn't even begin to explain Harry's tenure as a civic organizer. Democratic Educator and Public Intellectual. His work focuses on revitalizing the purposes and practices of education for the democracy way of life. As a young man, he worked in the Citizenship Education Program of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Martin Luther King's organization, and he did this during the Civil Rights Movement. Harry Boyd is the co-founder of Public Achievement to bring the spirit and sense of civic agency that he experienced in the movement. To young people today. He is author, co-author, and editor of 10 books on democracy, citizenship, and community organizing. I'm a longtime admirer, a colleague in recent years, and I'm delighted to have Harry Boyd on today's show. Harry Boyd, welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to be in this conversation, John.
0: I just wanted to jump right in and have you tell us about your work uh, with the Institute Uh, for public life and work at Augsburg University.
1: Yeah, well, it rose out of many years of work um, through something that was called the Center for Democracy and Citizenship at the Humphrey Institute at the University of Minnesota. The mission really was to take generative and effective approaches from the world of community organizing and citizen initiative that I had seen um, over the years of writing and From my own background in the Civil Rights Movement, I was on the field staff of Martin Luther King's organization, Mm -hmm. SCLC. So we worked with a variety of institutions. I was especially concerned that the civic identities of colleges and businesses and even nonprofits and congregations, a variety of institutions had really eroded, and so Mm -hmm. the institutions were more detached from the civic life of communities. So that's what we did, and we moved to Augsburg in 2010 and continued for a while, but we've now created something called the Institute for Public Life and Work to focus specifically on spreading concepts and practices of citizen professional and related concepts of public work.
0: I know you've written a lot and talked a lot about citizen professionalism, and Could you share with our listeners, I guess, examples of citizen professionals? Sure, absolutely.
1: Uh, It was a rich concept in my experience in the Civil Rights Movement. The Civil Rights Movement had been grounded in, people think about it today as marches and so forth, but that really was the tip of the iceberg. The heart of the movement was community-building work, very often led by professionals. So uh, teachers and preachers and college professors and beauticians and And they all were, in various ways, citizen professionals. So beauty parlors were civic sites in the center of communities, and they were diverse and setting. You know, people came from different backgrounds, and they were places of conversation and places of Mm -hmm. figuring out, taking action. But, But the civil rights movement gave that an intentionality so that SCLC organized beauticians to be consciously civic educators and catalysts was very powerful. And then more broadly, the tradition of black schools and colleges and churches, uh, businesses were all really anchoring institutions of the movement, and they were gathering sites. They were places that had a larger vision beyond their own particular uh, institutional identity. Mm -hmm. Um, Those were powerful, formative examples for me, as we've researched and understood and drawn on the examples turns out that the whole country's civic life was dependent on citizen professionals. Thomas Bender, in his book, Intellectuals in Public Life, describes how professional identities really shifted um, from civic to disciplinary, so they became more narrow and lose, lost their community dimensions. Mm. So that's what we're trying to reverse, I would say. We're reversing the shift from disciplinary back to a larger concept of citizen mm-hmm, professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, which of course makes higher education central to the process. One example at the Humphrey Institute which was vivid and I often talked about was Hubert Humphrey, the vice president, senator from Minnesota, in his autobiography said he learned everything about politics and public life from his father's drugstore in a little town in South Dakota, Dolan, South Dakota, um, and his father's life work was making that drugstore the civic center of Dolan. Mm. So there were 600 Republicans and six Democrats. His father was a Democrat, but uh, he, that didn't matter. He it was full of intellectual life, of music, of projects. In his autobiography, Humphrey calls it, never a pill without an idea. Mm-hmm. So those traditions are ones we've tried to think about how it can be revived in our time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've worked with a variety of different professions and professionals on that work.
0: So how does the the concept of citizen professionalism compare or contrast or uh, how does it grow out of like the civic engagement movement which really yeah well it's a part of higher um, service learning and volunteers oh yeah, yeah
1: it's related. I would say it takes it to another stage, and it does that in a couple of ways. One is of course, civic life has volunteers and it has voters and it has advocates, but to really have a vital civic life depends also on civic anchors in communities, um, so it draws attention to the the work that professionals do. So we say citizen professional or public work broadly involves acts of citizens, not only as voters and volunteers, but also through their work, mm-hmm. and that's really key. So how do you revitalize a library, a civic site, not simply a place where people come and get information? Or school, how does it become connected in a deeper way to communities or a business? And, of course, we see examples of that, like the, the brewery movement, for example, in a lot of mm-hmm. communities, or mm-hmm. the coffee shops are examples often of kind of conscious civic sites. But it takes an identity, a mindset, a mission, and it takes
0: skills to do that kind mm-hmm. of work. And you do see this as an important kind of new stage in the civic and engagement movement in higher ed?
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. I think uh, higher education has, in general, had an understanding of citizen action as either voluntary action or voting, which are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's had the consequence of not thinking about how students can learn to be citizens in the careers they take up after they're in college. So it's as if civic engagement stops at the college edge, in a way. Um, and even even colleges which have a very robust, rich civic life, there's very usually very little discussion about how how you can continue that in a career and in business or in nursing or in teaching or whatever or in public affairs. Mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. so, our work has been how do you create a pathway beyond higher education colleges and universities to the uh, world of work and careers? And it's absolutely another stage. I think there's a lot of evidence that. Students are quite eager to continue to be citizens,
0: not only as an
1: after hours activity, but actually through the core work that they do.
0: And then, so higher ed's responsibility, you know, in terms of developing and graduating citizen professionals, does it, uh, where does it start? I mean, it, does it start at the undergraduate experience, or do you pick it up when they're chosen a, a professional path already? Uh, or,
1: like, all of the or, above. Mm-hmm. I think um, one neglected dimension of this is that faculty and staff in colleges and universities need themselves to kind of revitalize their own roles as citizens of their institutions and in the larger world, um, or let students know that they're in, they are citizens in the mm-hmm. larger world. Students need role models, and they need faculty to be a, in examples of civic commitment and public purpose and so even faculty talking to their students about why they go into their field what what public contribution are they trying to make mm-hmm. that's important and similarly with staff what is the what is the public meaning and purpose that staff see in their own work it's not simply student affairs staff or cafeteria staff or custodial staff or athletic staff but actually what is the larger public meaning that's an important beginning part I also think that every discipline in higher education has potentially strong civic implications and impacts, but Mm -hmm. it has to be interrogated. So in our own work, we've worked with the nursing program at Augsburg University. One of the reasons we went to Augsburg was we thought it would be easier for faculty to pick up these ideas. Mm -hmm. So the nurses have developed a mission of preparing citizen nurses, who can be agents of change in the healthcare system and also stewards of health in communities have a larger vision of what they're doing and then also create experimental sites. So at Augsburg, the nursing department has coordinates two sites that they call health commons Hmm. where people interact. They don't simply get treatment. They do social activities. They sometimes undertake projects. They organize themselves. One is with the Somali community in the neighborhood, and the other is with a homeless community in downtown Minneapolis. Similarly, in, in, uh, we work with the uh, special education department at Augsburg, mm-hmm. so special education is well known for having trouble because so many students end up, you know, in trouble with the law, and so that, but our, we have a youth initiative that's a civic empowerment initiative called Public Achievement in which young people learn to make change and undertake public projects and Uh, learn to map the environment and be constructive, understand the cultures they're working in and so forth. So it turns out that special education students who coach in public achievement, public achievement usually has teams of kids in K-12, and then they're coached by college students. And at Augsburg, all of the students going into special education coach in public achievement. So they work with a team of kids who are working on an issue that they choose. That turns out to be very powerful for special education because it shifts the paradigm from kind of remediation of kids to actually empowerment mm-hmm. um, and students are much more motivated and they're much more in they have ownership of their um, learning and they don 't feel like somebody's trying to fix them and that 's a disciplinary example, but there are a lot of others um, We have a great colleague uh, at the University of Minnesota bill doherty who 's a leading family therapist and his I created a, fam- a citizen professional center in which he works with family professions and health professions to think about how they can become citizen professionals, not simply delivering services but more importantly kind of catalyzing civic action
0: I'm glad you kind of expanded on that because um, I, I was curious if there are certain disciplines that maybe i don't know whether it's this the, the individuals they attract into the the discipline uh, or the culture or ethos of of their discipline, like education and, and healthcare, that um, maybe have an easier path to creating citizen professionals than than some other professional disciplines.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. Potentially, any field can can develop a civic dimension and purpose, public purpose, okay. and part of that is just naming what do you think is a larger public contribution of your field. But certainly, human service and educational professions and fields are natural in a way, but Mm -hmm. there are obstacles in those. For example, you look at a field like social work, which was begun out of a citizen professional mission, the Jane Addams' Hull House settlement tradition, which is the birthplace of social work, didn't see itself as serving clients at all. It didn't use that language. It was about creating civic spaces and communities that, would be empowering and social and educational. whole house is this remarkable setting of diverse immigrants in Chicago. But over time, it's become more narrowly technical and service provision. So the obstacle in a field like education or social work um, is that people have tended to narrow their understanding of their work to being uh, providers of services. And mm-hmm. um, there, I think the mindset is to see people in terms of their Needs and deficiencies um, and not their capacities and assets. So, in the human services fields, I would say uh, shifting from a kind of caretaking mindset to uh, an empowering mindset is really key and a challenge. It, it involves some identity change. In the sciences and the STEM fields, you know, they, they tend to think technically and scientifically and But it turns out also they're more pragmatic. They Mm -hmm. don't really see themselves as rescuing people. We have a colleague, Earhart Greif, Mm -hmm. who is a really fine telecommunications engineer from MIT. Um, But he's very interested in the civic technology, how technology can be a tool for people's empowerment, not, you know, in a substitute for human action. So he's been hired by Olin, which is an experimental engineering college to help design a citizen professional curriculum in Olin, which asks the question, not simply what are the tools, but more importantly, what are those capacities and skills that the tool providers or tool makers have with a kind of civic empowerment Mm -hmm, lens? mm -hmm. So it's a paradigm shift there from thinking about the main focus on the tools to the main focus on the makers of the tools. And I would say another great example of citizen professional in the STEM fields is Uh, We're working with a group of agricultural scientists uh, and now students, graduate students at the University of Minnesota in a project called Forever Green to think about how they can work in a collaborative way with communities, not to provide expert knowledge, but to be um, facilitators to learn how to learn about the communities they're working in. Now, that revives older traditions from the 1930s of, for example, the Soil Conservation Districts. All the soil scientists were taught at the University of Minnesota, don't go in and sound off about soil erosion. Find out about the community first and become part of the mm-hmm. community, and then you can make a contribution. So I think it takes different forms in different fields, but I yeah. think any field is, has potential for it.
0: You're right. Just by asking the question, what public contribution can I make from in this field, changes the, the mindset a little bit. It changes
1: the mindset, and it begins to change the identity, too, so... One of the dimensions of citizen professional that's really important is for professionals to see themselves as citizens through their work, not working with citizens but as citizens with particular skills and knowledge and insights, and that's a shift, and it does raise the question of what is my public contribution, what am I doing in mm-hmm. our community that uh, has larger significance.
0: I want to pivot a little bit to because I know you've been doing some work with this organization, I think it's Braver Angels, yeah yeah and I, and I know like at least it feels like we're living in a very divisive time it seems like more than ever yeah. and so you know I'm interested hearing your thoughts on what the work yeah. that's going on there and and how to deal with this divisiveness
1: well I would say overall uh, citizen professionals are professionals that are concerned and contribute to the civic life of communities so in a way in their very DNA they're concerned about getting beyond the divisiveness and the poisonous polarization that often is occurring. They learn how to bring people together. And, and the work theme there is very important. So it's both discussion, but it's also actually doing common projects. We find in all sorts of settings that the best way for people to develop mutual respect is through working together. Mm-hmm. The, the example of Brave Bear Angels is a, is a movement, now 11,000 strong, to depolarize America. And it began right after the election in 2016. I think it has a lot to contribute to higher education, by the way, because I think our campuses are often quite polarized. And the racial questions, which are really important, are nonetheless often posed in very polarizing ways. But Braver Angels is a very strong counter trend with all sorts of methods and practices and the best discussion of race I've seen anywhere. Mm -hmm. In the last six weeks or so, they've had forums and debates and Podcasts every every week um, with a variety of black voices and some European American voices um, on questions of race and racial justice. Um, but they're not moralized; they're not judgmental. It's not people saying you've got to get the right consciousness or the right language. It's uh, people listening to each other in a really mm-hmm. constructive way. But interestingly, Braver Angels was begun after the election, um, bringing together equal numbers of Republican and Trump voters and Clinton voters in, in rural Ohio. Uh, and the person who designed the process is the guy I mentioned before, Bill Doherty, who's a family therapist. He crafted a way for people to think about their own assumptions and values and what they think their views and ways of thinking have to contribute, but also what are the limits of those and how, how they have stereotypes about others. So it was a remarkable A couple of weekend workshops that these people who saw themselves as complete enemies, Clinton and (laughs) Trump voters, came to understand that the other, quote, the other side were full of insights, intelligent, and cared about the country and cared about the community and had things to contribute. So that was the genesis of Braver Angels. Now, the interesting thing about Bill Doherty as a citizen professional is that, as I said, he's a leading family therapist. He led the field through several major changes from individual couples to family systems and then to community contexts and then picked up the public work concept. But what this has meant in concrete terms for Bill, he turned his skills as a family therapist uh, into public skills. So -hmm. he realized that the uh, skills of helping couples bring out the best in themselves, but also learn to think about what are the talents and the genius of their partner uh, rather than what's wrong with them. Uh, and then also, how do you have discussions about that? That could be taken into public terms. It did not mm-hmm. have to be mm-hmm. simply in family therapy. So on a large scale, what he did was turn his family therapy skills into <laughs> kind of public therapy for the nation.
0: Again, I guess that's another key insight for, uh, into to the disciplines, you know, turn your skills into public skills.
1: Into public skills. I yeah, would say that's yeah. really key. And that's true for family therapy. It's true for health. It's true for teaching. It's true for business. Enriching the, the skills and the knowledge you learn as a particular disciplinary professional with public dimensions is really mm-hmm. the heart of the citizen professional.
0: Harry, where can our listeners go to learn more about citizen professionalism, about Harry Boyd and what you're up to, braver angels? But yeah, where would you uh, recommend people go?
1: Well, several things. For those listeners who are on academia.edu, um, which is a site where you put up articles and so forth and speeches, my website, which is harryboydacademia.edu, the first section has a lot of examples and stories and, and theory and practice of citizen professionals. Mm-hmm. And not only in the United States, but in other countries, too. Like in Japan, we have a, a strong partnership with the whole university, a STEM university where they see themselves as preparing citizen professionals and having students think about their work in broader civic ways. The journal, The Good Society, Mm -hmm. um, has a continuing strong focus on citizen professional. So I have a piece coming out in the next issue called Catalyzing a Democratic Renaissance, arguing that citizen professionals are really key to a kind of widening and revitalization of uh, the meaning and practice of democracy because it shifts from professionals at the center to citizens at the center. One mm-hmm. thing about citizen professionals is that they learn to work with people rather than on people or for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's in both a theoretical and practical examination of that with some stories. The, my recent book called Awakening Democracy Through Public Work has a number of stories, especially in the last several chapters in higher education and in professions about uh, citizen professionals, including, uh, you know, like a wonderful story. It has the story of Bill Doherty and the Braver Angels, but it also has a great story of a uh, city manager, Mike Huggins, in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, who kind of let go control of the process of problem solving in Eau Claire and catalyzed a citizen movement that has been very diverse and very successful in developing the capacity of the community to act across its differences. Um, So those are some places. Uh, Kettering Foundation has an interesting and longstanding focus on citizen professional and, Mm -hmm. as you know, a a new group called Undergraduate Civic Professional Education, which Mm -hmm. is developing stories from a number of fields.
0: Those are all um, terrific resources, and we will uh, make sure we post links to them at the podcast site. Harry, it's always an absolute honor talking to you, and thank you so much. Yeah, take care, Sean. Thanks for being here for Connect, Collaborate, Champion, a podcast of the New American Colleges and Universities. This podcast is made possible thanks to our partner, public radio station 91.3 WYSO in Yell Springs, Ohio. Thank you, YSO. The New American Colleges and Universities connects our campuses to collaborate in the delivery of innovative ideas and to champion the belief that a comprehensive, liberal Professional and civic education is essential to the future of our world. To learn more about our amazing campuses, visit nacu.edu. N-A-C-U dot E-D-U. See you soon.